The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show. You're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And boy, what matters to me today? Well, I'm going to tell you what uh, what matters to me is uh, I've uh, lost a dear friend. Uh, a lot of people from my hometown of Canton, Ohio, they too uh, are sharing my loss, and and that loss is of. The first organized baseball coach that I ever had, uh, I'm going to say it was the first, I'm going to say league. There was some other neighborhood sports that I participated in, mostly basketball, and, and we won a championship. But, but in terms of a league that was recognized and registered with the city, um, it was a police boys club league. And my coach was a gentleman by the name of Arthur Busby. And I, I do mean gentleman. And there are many more things that factor into why he's such a special man in my life. But I got in the office today and I picked up my voicemail messages. And there was a message that had been transferred to me uh, by Mr. Busby's. Uh, Mr. Busby's son was actually the voice of which I heard when I uh, picked that phone call up and uh, Barry and I, as a matter of fact, I think we, he and I played one year for the Lions in Canton, Ohio. And so I think Barry's going to join me a little bit later here on the air. Uh, but but even if he doesn't join me, I think, particularly with this being Black History Month, um, I, I think, and, and this is the last show that I'll have uh, for this month, I, I want to spend some time uh, talking about it. What's really Interesting is uh, Mr. Busby was not a black man. He was uh, a white gentleman who was the baseball coach for the Lions in the southwest side of uh, Canton, Ohio. And in uh, 1968, uh, when Dr. King got killed, I was on my way to baseball practice to play on an, uh, an integrated team. I mean, it was a team that had... Uh, three black players on that team, and the rest of the team uh, were all white players. Those three players, one was myself, my brother, and a good friend of ours who is now the coach at Timken High School in Canton, Ohio. Great athlete, uh, outstanding gentleman himself, uh, and, and went on to uh, star in college football, and, and now he's back coaching at Timken High School, and that's Kevin Henderson. And uh, Kevin was a role model for me as long as my, as well as my brother because my, my brother and Kevin, man, they, whoo, they stepped up to the plate big time. And uh, they certainly, if I were a coach, 
Hell, I wouldn't care what color those two were. They wouldn't be on my team. <laughs> and they, they basically set the example for me. Kevin was an outstanding pitcher. Oh, gosh, Kevin. And we had two other guys on the team, Mike Lalekas that I remember, and, and, uh, and then uh, Turkovich. Um, and uh, those three pitchers and, and the Craig Lons. We had it, Craig Lons, um, uh, Tizovich, and Mike Lalekas. And myself, those three guys were on the team when I was eight years old when Dr. King got killed. I'm sorry, when I was nine years old uh, when Dr. King got killed. And um, it was, you know, it was a day I'll never forget in my life. And Mr. Busby was our coach. And uh, Mr. Busby was a part of my life when I got inducted into the Canton um, <clears throat> Star County uh, Hall of Fame and Mr. Busby showed up. Craig Lyons and, and Kevin Henderson, you know, surprised him and, and told him I wanted him there. And it wouldn't have, never would have happened. Those things that happened to me athletically uh, never would have happened if that foundation, what I had, which Mr. Busby prepared for me, if it wouldn't have started off like that, it probably never would have happened. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a moment of silence. You know, I do this all the time. Don't be surprised by it. Uh, but I want to show the, the respect that this man deserves. And I'm going to share, I'm probably going to take half of the show just to, to rave about Arthur Busby. But right now, let's take a moment and let's have a moment of silence. Okay, so uh, Mr. Busby is now up there in heaven and looking down on me. Uh, I do not see where I have a guest joining me yet, but if anybody would like to join me, please do at 888-346-9144. See, I say this is a show is about black history, but see, black history ain't all about black people. There are some of our good white friends that if it weren't for them, you know, some of our good Jewish friends, some of our friends from all different parts of the world, you know, they joined in and realized that the struggle that black people had was a, a human struggle. It wasn't just about black people. It was a human struggle. And some people had to make some hard decisions. Sometimes families were fractured because some people believed one thing should be one way and others believed the other way. And uh, I, I want to just commend Mr. Busby for the courage that he must have had. I, you know, let's, let's go back to 1968 in any part of the country if you're old enough. And just think about where this country was at that particular time. I happen to be in a state right now of uh, Arizona that it was a long time before they ever recognized Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday. And, and because of that, the National Football League, and that's part of what I want everybody to understand, is that how sports could play such a, a, a and, and, and the part that it plays, it's a significant part in bringing social justice and, and changes to a, an uncivilized world. And that's, that's what it was years ago. And this is a man that in Canton, Ohio, until we won the championship, which was t we won the championship in 69, uh, I don't think, and I, somebody would have to tell me and call in and tell me, Ray, you're wrong, but I don't think there was another integrated team, you know, having people that were not all from, you know, one background being whether, whatever they're, whether it be all black or all white, I don't think there was a team uh, that was uh, integrated that had won a championship until then. And uh, we weren't just guys that, you know, black guys that were on a team. We were on a team because we could play. <laughs> and believe me, the whole team could play. Um, the whole time I was on the team, I, now I'm not going to say it didn't happen, 
But there, there was a family atmosphere. We all, we all liked each other. We all got along. It's not hard to get along when you're good. Now, I want you to understand, I was, I was 10 years old starting on a team where you can be tw- as old as 12. And, you know, at that age of development, there's a difference between 10 and 12. You know, 12 is about to move up to what we call Pony League, and 10 is just coming in, you know. And, and so what I, I was able to make the team, and I started in right field. I also was a pitcher. Now, I wasn't our number one. I wasn't our number two. I wasn't our number three. I was probably our number four pitcher. But Mr. Busby just, I, I guess he saw talent in me, potential in me, and the man supported me. Throughout my career, there have been people, there are times where I thought that I perhaps maybe was not deserving of the support I was getting, but those coaches saw something in me that maybe even at times I didn't see in myself. I look back now, and I, I think perhaps maybe if I look back, I could have did it differently with my own son because I, I took the hard, the heavy hand approach that many of those coaches had put on me. But what I didn't realize is it wasn't the heavy hand that made me successful. It was those coaches that were there supporting me when that heavy hand was a little too heavy. And so when you, as a player, if you don't have somebody to help you out when the heavy hand is there, then what you end up doing, you end up leaving and quitting the team and there's nobody there to come to support you, come back and say, no, you got great potential. I see it in you. And so Mr. Busby, he was the head coach he wasn't a heavy hand, but he saw the potential in me and supported me. And so now what I want to do is I, I want to welcome uh, to the show with me now uh, Barry Busby, who is uh, Mr. Busby's son. Barry, are you there? Yes, I am, Ray. How you doing? Oh, I, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. Barry, I just want to say this. First of all, my condolences go out to you, the family, and, and friends. And, and I wish I w- would have been there, uh, but I, I'm there, man. Believe me, I, I, I've made a promise to you. Uh, that you and I will stay in touch. Uh, I owe your dad so much uh, as it pertains to from the athletic and, and just the, not only that, but just me as a person and development and, and my willingness to give any and everybody a chance. Because as I said, maybe before you joined me, Barry, is that one thing about your dad, when I, when I was on his baseball team, when I was 10 years old, your dad had a baseball team that was stacked. We won the city championship. Uh, yep. he, he gave me a chance to start uh, in right field, and he also saw uh, some potential in me when it came to pitching, and he allowed me uh, to do that, allowed me to pitch a championship game. But, but I want to I talk about the man because, you know, this, this, this is Black History Month, and uh, obviously your, your dad was, was not a black man, but, but there were people that, who were not black that had they not have come uh, in support of many of us black people, things would not have changed as quickly, although for some people it didn't change quick enough, but they would still be, uh, you know, to a point where people would be in some very serious conditions in their life if there were not changes that were made. And right. and, and your dad was a person that I remember, he he never looked at me and my brother and Kevin Henderson as anything other than young man that was on his baseball team that had, had talent. So, so you being brought up in that household as a son and, and then seeing your father, um, you know, 
being a mentor and being a coach to so many other young men. Tell me even some of your experiences with your dad that had you watched him over your years of growing up and seeing him work with so many uh, young kids. Did, did you feel as if you, you were cheated a little bit because he had to work with so many other players as a kid? Or, or how did you feel? What were your experiences growing up with your dad, Barry? Well, uh, the thing about my dad was, you know, he, he just does a person as a person. Uh, when, you know, when he went into, uh, he, you know, if, if, if I wasn't good enough to play as his own son, I, I wouldn't play, you know. And uh, and obviously getting back to what you're talking about, color, you know, he never judges uh, he never judges his kids by the color. He judges by their talent. I mean, that was first and foremost. There was no color in the word talent, so that's what he did. And he did and, he, he, um, he did an excellent he, job of it, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you this because uh, of the guys that he chose. I mean, I, I got to tip his hat. He won a championship. It was the first time. You know, the year before, yeah. before I joined, uh, you know, there were two. And then obviously when I came on, there were, there were three of us that black guys that were on the team. But he, in the Southwest, I think one other team that I recall, the Cards, Kurt Clark played for that team. And, and maybe there was a couple other guys that were scattered. But nobody had three black players on their team. And uh, as you said, Mr. Yeah. Busby was looking for talent. Well, it's, you know, Ray, back then, you know, and, and you probably remember, it was kind of a different setup. It, we had, we were very lucky to have the, the Mighty Mighty system we had, but the kids were lined up along the home field fence. And uh, nowadays, it's looks like a lottery, okay? And back then, you line up along the home field fence, and, and he'd look along that fence, and he'd say, you know, that young man looks like he's got a little town. He, you know, you went out, and you threw a little bit. You ran. It's kind of like a, like a mighty mighty baseball combine. And he'd just say, hey, if this kid's the best kid, I'm taking him, and you guys were the best. I mean, flat out. And obviously, you know, he loved you guys to death anyways, because I've heard him say that for the last 40 years. But, uh, you know, and that has a lot to do with it, too, judging a child or a young man by his character. It's not all about winning, but uh, that, that's what he did. Well, I'm going to tell you, he, for me, it was so, what was so important uh, about my relationship with your dad is that I wasn't the most talented kid on that team at that time. But the, the role that anybody plays on a team is, is you know, when you're next man up, you got to perform. And, and you know how baseball games are. Baseball games could be won or lost by a single run. So for, for him, again, to, to, to have uh, an eye of talent and to see that this, this young man could contribute to the team, it meant a lot to me. Uh, and I'll tell you what really meant a lot to me is, and I'm not afraid to say this, my family teased me about it all the time, but I was talking about the kind of the, the support of which you get from a coach that realizes you have some potential and they have to stick with you because there's always a guy who's going to beat you down. But you got to have somebody who's going to, you know, who's going to build you back up. And, right. and I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you, Mr. Codwell, God bless his soul. I'm not sure he's still with us, but bless him if he's alive or if he's in heaven. But Mr. Codwell, who was an umpire, Barry, I'm going to tell you, he was so yeah, animated with his, with his strikeout calls. And I became the joke of my household. So much so that I was embarrassed. I cried a lot of times. You know, I'd go away. Nobody would see me cry. Uh, but my brother, I mean, he was bringing home, you know, eight packs of Pepsi because he was knocking it out the park. And in Canton, when you, in, in the Mighty Mites, when you hit a home run, you got an eight pack of Pepsi. So everybody loved for Roy to get up. You know, he's in six, seven, eight, you know, nine home runs, you know. And so, you know, half the season, every other game, we're getting Pepsi. So my mom, that was that was a drink everybody loved. And that, that's a treat when you get Pepsi, you know. And, well, you uh, know, somebody, 
probably a lot of your listeners don't realize the ballpark that you know you played in. I mean, it had home run fences, had kids keep the score over the outfield, it had an announcer, it had uh, a concession stand. It, this is like a it had an infield grass. My dad always put lime in the infield. You know, he'd always edge off the infield. You remember how beautiful that ballpark was. Oh yeah, most yeah. Mighty, mighty miters don't play in that type of condition, so that just makes it that much important to hit a home run. You know. Oh yeah, to hit a home run, I, I, you know, like you talked about what those ballparks look like. I mean, really, if you think about the modern day ballparks and how neat and clean they look and how pristine, how they're just beautiful. That's how the ballparks look for us over in the southwest end. That 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 yes, that Fisher that Fisher Field, field was, that was out. Like oh a yeah, minor, minor Wrigley Field. Or uh, or Fenway Park is all green. That's exactly right. And they and the thing about Shatterfield, what they Shatterfield, what they had lights. You know, we mm-hmm. did, we didn't yeah. play. They they played under lights. Our championship game wasn't under lights, but but they had well, lights. They had a dugout. They had a dugout. Oh yeah, that that's exactly. Right. And I I tell people, listen, you know, things were tough for a lot of people in bring, being brought up during that time of life. Uh, but there were certain privileges that we had that maybe other kids didn't enjoy across the country. And, and certainly we had we had ballparks. We had ballparks and we had safe environments where we, we, we could play and we could compete against each other. And, and it was a type of, you know, the environment was it might have been a racial divide. You know, there might have been more black kids and white kids and more white kids and black kids. But when those teams competed, we competed with each other fairly. And it was always good sportsmanship, which made for, for some great ball games, man. And so I, I'll never forget my days as, as as an adolescent growing up playing baseball for Look, my my dad had a story, and this this is uh, basically you know to your viewers or your listeners. Um, but hats off to you, you and Roy. Uh, and I remember this a few times, but you and Roy lived about oh three blocks from the ballpark. And my dad always talked about how not here's two young uh, black kids, okay. You guys walked at times, maybe I don't know. You know where our house was? A couple miles, a couple oh, miles from your house. Oh, we, oh, we, we, no, we walked. We and walked a couple miles to the game. Goes, Here yeah. comes these my boys, and he mentioned that with their their, their spikes hanging over their shoulders, <laughs> and they come walking down the street with their ball uniforms on and their converse on, and they come walking down the street because you guys wanted my dad to take you down to the ball field, <laughs> and then my dad would. Uh, you know, he would take you home afterwards. And he always made mention of that. He loved you and Roy like uh, his own. So, well, I, I, you know, I can tell you this. Listeners need to know that. Oh, I appreciate that. And we actually lived a couple miles from that from that ballpark. It, it yeah. was it wasn't a oh, couple blocks. Them. It was, as a matter of fact, when, when we had money, we would uh, we would try to catch the bus, uh, the the 9th Street bus to take us over there. So we lived over on Sixth uh, Street South. West over by Wells School was where we where oh, we okay. lived over and 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 you guys were over by uh, was that Clarendon School or one of those yeah, schools? Well, no, right by the Mallet Mall there. Yeah, well down no, well that's 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 when we were practicing for tryouts. That was at Raft Road, but then when the games yeah. were at Fisher Field, which was right behind Sowers Junior High School, uh, so that was even. Uh, the tryouts were further than you know when it came time for us to play the games, but but they were just great games. And your dad was such 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 a great man. Uh, let's let's talk about, if you will. I'm going to share a story with you 
whereas again, uh, many people don't know, but uh, as I was traveling one time to a game, we were walking to a game and and I, I did something that was, I was dead wrong. I was dead, dead wrong. And, and there were uh, cars that were traveling under a bridge. And I, was, I wasn't even, on, I was a bad boy at this time. Uh, but I, I, was, I was faced with some, a terrifying moment. I was dropping rocks down on cars going under a bridge. And, and I really put people's lives at danger. And there was a guy who you know, came, jumped out of bushes and actually put a gun to my head. And on our way to a baseball uh, game, put a gun to my head, took the bat from me, threw it over the fence, um, and and you know, and told me what I was doing was wrong, and I was putting everybody's you know people's lives in danger, and didn't make a difference if he was black or he was white or I was black or I was white, but I I just realized at that moment I was on my way to a baseball game, and you know, I was doing the wrong thing, and I could have you know messed things up for for myself for the team, and it was one of those things that kind of made me just change my life. And when I got there, we, we didn't tell your dad about it. We didn't tell anybody about what happened. But wow. I, I just felt that I was in a comfort zone because I was around Mr. Busby. I, I, I was protected because I was around Mr. Busby. That, that man, whoever he was, even if he came and tried to say something to Mr. Busby, that he wasn't going to do anything that was going to hurt me because Mr. Busby still was going to give me a chance. And I was the bad boy then that he still believed in me and trusted me. And, and, and that's something that, I, again, I'll just well, I, I never didn't forget. know that. No, I appreciate that, oh, uh, yeah, Ray. Oh, that, yeah. That means it just, the world. Yeah, it just seemed like I was in a, it was a blanket of protection. And I don't even know to this day if I've ever told my mom who's in heaven, my dad who's in heaven. Don't know if I ever told him. My brother knows because he was with me. And I think Kevin, right. Kevin Henderson may have been with me. Uh, but they didn't do it. It was me. And the guy just ran up out of nowhere. And, and he pulled this gun. And, and he could have shot both of us or all three of us uh, because I was dead wrong. But it just uh, I just know that I just couldn't wait to get to the ballpark because I knew I was going to be a blanket of protection uh, with your dad. And so, uh, yeah. hey, I how about I, Mr. Biddle? I think I, I think Coach Biddle has passed away, too. Is that right? That was another one of our um, yeah. you know, strong coaches and somebody who really supported everything. And now, yeah, uh, Coach Biddle, he, he was uh, battling Parkinson's and, and God bless him. He went out there and he. He did the best he could do, and yeah, he was a good coach too. Yeah, it was just outstanding. So what I what I want to do is, um, I just again, Bear, I want to thank you. You were a, a, a great teammate back in the day when we played our days, uh, our yeah. final days there. At uh, but I, I just hope uh, I haven't been anywhere near the ballpark lately. Are they still playing ball down there at Fisher Field? They are. It's a little rough without pops around. You know. Yes. They kind of degrade a little bit, but. Yes. Uh, we caught her in a heyday, and you know they, they still have a really strong program. These kids and these guys turn video games and stuff. You know, it's, it's unfortunately it's kind of becoming a little bit of a lost art. It's all about all star teams now. You know, yeah, it's you know, and, and it is becoming quite a challenge. And I understand that you you you're living a little bit west of of the city there, and and there's a there's a, a high school over there. I don't know if you're supporting them, but there's something called the Mouse and Tigers. But uh, but uh, <laughs> football, basketball. Up, <laughs> hey, now here I went to McKinley for a year. Yeah. That's before I went to Central. That's when the school was transferred over. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, so I won't dig it in too deep, but I understand your place of business is over there. You, you got a <laughs> restaurant over there, Mass. Is that right? Yes. What's yeah, the, what, the Irish Pub and Grill. Okay. Um, so is it, is it. You know, I want to tell your your listeners one other thing, too. And and this this is to, for Ray Ellis, just for the fans of you. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking this is back in. Oh, you were playing for the. the 
the greatest team in the nation, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you were, you know, here's a guy, you're a big man on campus. You're probably 20 years old. And I'm still helping my dad. Maybe you're probably not 19. You and I are close to the same age. And I'm helping my dad, you know, down at the ballparks. You're long removed from playing Mighty Might Baseball. And here comes Ray Ellis, you know, looking all good and shape and stuff, come walking in there. And I'm looking over Ray Ellis, and he comes in there, and he go down there and visit my father. That speaks so much about you, Ray, uh, that uh, I hope your fans are listening because that, to me, is the world, okay? Well, Bear, so, I, I, I thank you, man, for sharing your dad with me because that that's exactly what you did. That's what he did, your family, your entire family, for sharing the, the father he was, the husband he was, the friend he was. And, uh, and I know he didn't just have an impact on my life. I might be the only guy who's got a microphone right now to say it, but I, I can tell you uh, that an entire team uh, will forever be grateful for, for your dad, for him being the man and the coach he was. And, and let me just say this. Your dad made me a champion as a kid. So I, that was, the standard was set, championship or nothing, <laughs> you know. And so uh, he set the standard, and, and the standard for me, the, the bar had been raised. That was the goal that I shot for for every team that I played on was to win the championship. If there's a championship, when it's all said and done, there's one team standing up on the podium getting trophies, I wanted to be on that team. And, and, and the work ethic that, that he had in terms of getting his players uh, prepared Man, you know, he's, he, again, he started me off right. So that, that when I left and, and, and played Pop Warner, the, the, I guess we, we didn't call it Pop Warner then. We, we called it Camp Police Boys Club, uh, but Mighty Mighty Baseball. But when I left baseball, I took that work at the, into basketball and, and football. And, and it worked for me, and I continued to work and, and wanted to be the best. That's all he wanted us to do is be the best. And, and the thing about your dad, he was such a kind, gentle man. You know, he kind of reminded me a little bit, if you will, of, of today's coaches. I guess it would be a Tony Dungy kind of guy. He he didn't have to scream a lot, or holler a lot. You know, he didn't have a real loud voice anyway. Kind of reminded, you know, kind of a soft voice anyway. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a real big bark. And yeah. but he but he was just a good man. Well, he had a way of saying things. That's right. And he looked at you. He he believed in you. That's the thing about it. He believed in you when he told you when he would. I remember that championship game when he handed me the baseball. And I'm 10 years old, and I'm pitching the championship game for us. We were already going to win, but it was the ch- we, we viewed that as the championship game. And he told me, I'm going to start you. 10 years old. We got 12-year-old guys that are ready for Pony League. And he said, right. I'm, I'm going to start you. And, and he handed me that baseball and walked out to me on the mound. I, it just did so much for me. It gave me so much confidence in the world. When he handed that well, baseball were, to me. He's had you for a long time. If you was barely nine, he was playing against kids for <laughs> almost thirteen. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it, he, he threw you out there and that's that and you learned it. Well, so that's, just that's just, just great story. So I'll tell you what, I want you to tell the family that I, that I said hello to them all. Uh you and I are gonna be in touch, um, yep. Barry. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have to take a break, but uh I'll be on the phone talking to you soon. And I wanna thank you again for all that you've done, all that your family has done for sharing your dad with us. And again, that is uh uh, Arthur Busby, who has gone on to heaven, and we thank you for the time he spent with us here on earth. That was his son, uh, well, Barry well, One last thing, Ray. I just want to give sure. hats out to, to my mom. Please. You know, my mom's the greatest woman in the world, 
she was fortunate to have, you know, a, a man like my dad. And well, it, does, it takes a good woman to have a good man, a good man to have a good woman. So I'm very fortunate, and God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, right? I'll tell you what. Thank you, Barry, for saying that, because beside every good man is a good woman. So tell Mrs. Yes. Busby I'm praying for her as well. God bless. Take care. All We're right. going to take a break. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on Bye. the Voice America Network. I'm going to take this break, and we'll be right back. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely disagree Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. My man, yeah, my man, my man, my man. It's all good, man. It's good, it's good, man. Yeah, I tell you what, I wish I was like Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie, lay it down. You know what I'm talking about. You saw it. You saw it on TV. Justin Timberlake, Snoop Dogg, everybody out there for for real with Uncle Charlie, man. But uh, hey, my man, I'm in the studio now with Doug Mack. I just wanted, of course, just a little recap there. I, I, you know, had to take the time out just to pay homage to a man who was just so important to my life. Uh, the first experience I had with organized sports was a championship experience, and that was a man who was my coach, who was my leader, my friend, uh, my mentor. His name was Arthur Busby. He's gone home to rest. Uh, the last time I saw Coach Busby was a few years ago. I was inducted into the Stark County um, Hall of Fame, and uh, a couple of my teammates, Kevin Henderson and Craig Lons, shout out to those two gentlemen. They they brought him over and surprised him. And uh, I told him, you know, you guys got to get Buzz there for me. Please, please, please. Because I just wanted to thank him. Because uh, without that, um, my, my career athletic-wise, and, and not just that, because the athletics, like I said, athletics can be used 
as a, a tool that can be used to bring social change and, and social justice to a world. And and athletics has done that. Shout out to my man who's still struggling here on earth, but Muhammad Ali, he doesn't know that. But that's my man. You know, Muhammad Ali stood up for for what was right. Like People can say what they want to say about his religious beliefs and all that stuff. But what he wanted to do and what he stood up for was to be treated fairly here. And uh, Mr. Busby treated me fairly. And, uh, you know, God, God rest his soul. That's and, awesome. And the Busby family. So and, and thank you, Barry, for joining us. But uh, right now I got a Doug E. Mack. Got to make sure I put that E in there, you know, uh, Doug E. Mack. And we're going to talk a little bit. First of all, I just want to talk about the combine. I mean, really, when you think about it, and Doug, you got to help me on this one. What's man, up? Because it's football. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to evaluate talent, you know, th- this is what I don't understand. I-, I really don't understand the real true need for the combine because when I'm preparing to play a game, I don't need to see your combine workout right to strategize how i'm going to attack you right go to the i film. need to see game footage go to the film so when somebody is as a matter of fact when somebody is even being picked up and looked at in free agency now they still go through this you know workout stuff but i'm going to be quite honest i think i worked out for maybe one when i was a freeze did I you go to the combine yeah, was there a combine did, yeah, back yeah, in the day yeah, when did the yeah, combine yeah. start i went to the combine well, we, our combine wasn't like this combine. Was it the combine? Was it called the combine? Yeah, it was called the combine. Yeah, okay. and I went. and It was in New York City. Okay, and uh, I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember going, and uh, and and feeling special. Yeah, because you're invited. Because that's exactly right. It's invitation only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what some people feel about. You know, sometimes you get in these conversations about people in athletics and and how kids shouldn't leave college to go play pros and all that. It's invitation only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. you can't just you know up. And put yourself down and take roots on a team. It's they, invitation. They didn't want me to run a five two. Yeah, they they, they, they want you to get five two to get the water. But you okay, know, all right. <laughs> oh, I see that. All right, that's, 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 you threw that. You threw that out there, man. Blow, I didn't man. I okay, but let's, let's 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 go. Let's be honest about this. Is it all hype? Or is it a necessity? No, it's, it's, it's I think it makes sense. And, and, well, well, tell me how it makes sense to okay. you. Okay, in terms of um, it's a great equalizer. It's an opportunity for these people to be put before all of the scouts and all of the eyeballs under similar circumstances. And also, more importantly, I think, than, than just having them do bench presses or, or broad jumps, is the interview process. It's a chance for these people to interface with these kids who know what they're there for. They've been prepped. They've been coached up on it. And, and how do they perform? How do they handle the pressure? So I think it's a good insight is to a, a kid's ability to handle the big stage. You said equalizer. Mm-hmm. You yeah. said big stage. Uh, you said handle the pressure. You, all these things that you you mentioned, mm-hmm. these things have already been done. These well, kids have already... Not, the most important thing in terms of equalizer, equalizer, get some talent on your team that's equal to the talent you're playing against. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay? or better, or better. Or, you know, or, or better. Uh, well, it's, you just know, a, it's, it's an ingredient. It's not the whole, the men, it's not the whole recipe. It's an, it's, it's an ingredient. If I'm evaluating a player and I have a real interest in him, I want to stare him down a little bit. So are you saying, okay, so in other words, uh, because, you know, I just came back from the player networking event. Shout out to Guy Troop, and, you know, it's a career transition. I always, Shout out. I try to share with people what that experience is about, is that is for student athletes who have potential to play in the National Football League, for them, their career fair is the combine. Right. For those student athletes who don't think they have a chance to play in the National Football League entering into their senior year, uh, they still try to get either 
attendance or an invitation at the combine or they try to work out for pro day, but they still try. They, they just have these blinders on. They don't want to accept the fact that it's not going to happen for them. So most of them don't participate in career fairs. This right. is a career fair. So are you saying to me at the college level? You sound anti-combine. Can I jump in there? I mean, well, that's what I'm anti- saying. All, where, I'm, where trying to say, all I'm trying to say to you is, is this combine What's your angle, like right? the career fair? So is it like the recruiting process for yeah. high school players coming out? So this is the recruiting process? School. No, I'm saying when you're in high school, when you go to college, you go through a process of being recruited. They come in, they mm-hmm. interview, they sit with your family, they talk to you, they come visit, they ask questions. Well, you know, at the pro level, they go to everybody you possibly can. And think of and talk to them, get a back serious background check. They even pay some former private FBI eyes. agents. Yeah, private dicks. Exactly. So, yeah. so let me ask you this. Is all that really necessary yes. when a person's playing football? Okay. I'm asking you. Ryan as- Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, those are the cautionary tales. And those are the reasons. But that- they evaluated those guys and, they, and the same thing happened. You got them in the league and they were bums. Well, the reason that. And I don't want to say they're bums. They, Let me take that back. Okay. Let's say their careers didn't pan out. Their le- le- the reason Leaf didn't pan out is because he was a knucklehead. And, and I went to the same college as Ryan Leaf. And I know people who are on that roster with him and people who are on the uh, graduate assistants. What makes him all, a knucklehead? They all said that he was a knucklehead. He what was makes a, him a knucklehead? He, okay, well, he's from the sticks. He's from Montana. He oh, because you're from the sticks, you're a knucklehead? Can Come I, can, on. Let me finish it. Okay. I'm just saying, okay, he was, about, he, he, was, he was not used to the attention, and he was out of a backwoods, sort of off-the-beaten-path, uh, you know. Hey, where did Ryan go to college? He went to Washington State university that's huge we no. played against washington state without ohio state it was washington there's washington state right pullman the, pullman i understand but yeah. it's, it's washington state but it's in the middle i mean i went there it's, i can it's, it's speak in the pack to 10, it it's right? in the middle of in nowhere pa- and i pa- love that about but it's it. the pack it's 10 in right? the pack 10 right but i'm just saying he wasn't prepared and then mike price apparently lied to the coaches in the pre uh in the lead up to the draft interview process he said he said he was a great kid and they had credibility because bledsoe preceded him by about five years there and bledsoe was the man and everyone knows like the character and the integrity of drew bledsoe now hold on now and drew, Ryan drew, Leaf drew wait, wait 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 now drew had a little edge to him too well drew, you want drew in your in your foxhole put it that way. okay well that's well that's what you want all football players you don't want ryan in leaf your, in your Foxhole. Well, it all depends now. Like uh, we wait, knew, wait. we knew he used to, he punched a hole in the bar shakers as a campus bar. He got angry one night and stuck his hand through the wall, and that was the Ryan Leaf hole. Well, here's the thing about it. That's the, sometimes it depends. He, maybe he's playing the wrong position, but you want that kind of guy in the foxhole. Well, it's, if he was a, defensive it's a different mentality. I mean, the quarterback you want a guy who's a stand up, sturdy presence. I agree. Ryan Leaf was a knucklehead. Okay, so let's go back to what we were talking. Jamarcus about. Jamarcus Russell's we're, we're, we're a knucklehead. Talk, we were talking about the process of evaluation of which this combine is supposed to you know facilitate and it looks like they're missing yeah there was an argument was it peyton manning or ryan leaf that was the legitimate conversation coming into that draft well we've got another argument now we've got an argument now is it johnny menzel or is it clowny or is it or is it uh, blake bortles or is it teddy bridgewater oh, okay. or is it the offensive lineman and from always, alabama there's always or, somebody else so i, I mean, don't know so so do we need the combine i don't know is it combine well no you got to go a little deeper than that because you told me earlier you did know 
is, are they going to find no, some I, of these answers? I, I Do you said, truly think they can find these answers in the combine? I think that you can. It's an ingredient, and I see why it exists. But I'm not vouching for it. With all the pro days now, the players have opportunities to be in front of those scouts and uh, and those GMs. For I don't think it's entirely necessary, but it gives kids a shot that are off the radar. It gets them on the big stage. I remember seeing Don, Dominique Rogers Cromarty out of Tennessee State. I remember watching him on NFL Network and just knowing on the swivel on, his, on that kid's hips. I was like, that guy is a corner. Okay, but here's here's what you said. You said that it, it kids that are off the radar, but the fact of the matter is they're not off the radar. That's why they're invited to the combine because yeah, but, no, you know Tennessee if, State ain't do, exactly. Do, no, no, but but look, wait a second. If you got an invitation to the combine, you don't get an invitation to the combine unless you're on the radar. That's why some guys are upset because statistics will show that probably I'm going to go as high as ninety. It may be higher than that, but ninety percent of the guys that go to the combine get drafted. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes, that's yes. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that's what happens. That's so we, amazing. so that, that that that's why it's and so And the rest all get rookie free agent contracts, I'm sure. The, the, right. The, yeah. the rest of the people that that's all you can get, you know, but well not right. not all of those people because some people who don't go to the combine do get drafted. Correct. Because there's another there's a hundred percent of people that are gonna get well uh, let's say of all the college students that are the NC two A eligible and, and division two, whatever. You know, probably of those people that go to the combine, 90% of those guys get, but that doesn't fulfill all the slots of the draft. Right. Which means some people who do not attend the combine, they still get drafted. Five and eight percent of them, is that what the number is for college uh, football players? That's that's the number that goes through to the next level, roughly? I can't remember offhand. I think it's about eight percent of all of them, right? It, it, so you are very lucky to be invited well, to the combine. You obviously were very yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, featured. Com- yeah, yeah. You were a star well, in, you know, high, in college. Well, yeah, in just, well again, you got to think about it. I went to the Ohio State. University. If you really think about it, I'm, I'm, Wait, which I'm, one is it? Is it the I'm, or the other one? It is the Ohio oh, State University. Why is it the? Can we talk about that for a second? That's, What's up with that? That is a part when did of that start? the name. It's been there since before I got there. It's I can the take you. I can, the Ohio, Ohio State, State University. Always been the Ohio State University. Well, your colors and our colors aren't that different, incidentally. Well, we're crimson and gray, and you're we're, scarlet. We're scarlet and yeah. gray. We're crimson. Scarlet. Incidentally, yeah. crimson's way better than scarlet. <sighs> It's not even an argument. Uh, for the, uh, for the. <laughs> hey, you talked about social justice and equality, and Muhammad Ali is my personal favorite all-time athlete because he was more than just an athlete. Yes. But we talked about that a little bit. You spoke to that earlier. I'm, I'm curious what your take is on with Michael Sam coming out as openly gay leading into the draft, Jason Collins, openly gay at last offseason in the NBA, 6'10 basketball player at the end of his rope, not getting a look all season long. People asked, is it because he came out gay or is it just because he sucks? And the, the, the resounding feedback was, well, he sucks. He was getting like one and a half points and one rebound a game. Now Jason Collins, as soon as Michael Sam's going to come out and break that gay barrier, if you will, to professional major athletics and team sports in America, Jason Collins gets a 10-day contract. Does that stink to high heaven? Is yeah, that stinks. That that's, stinks. Because for me, from my personal perspective, it's nothing to joke about. If you're serious about it, then the man should have been picked up at the beginning don't of the year. To don't be the no, first one to get that, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you, and, you don't, and you don't need that type of PR because it, everybody else, it seems like it's BS. Mm-hmm. Because, again, now the National Football League is about to do it, and you want to expedite something for a 10-day contract. First of all, give the men a contract. Even though that's what they normally do. That's right. a practice. That's how it goes. Of, 
Let's give him signing for 10 days. If it works out, we'll extend the contract. But again, it does smell like, you know, something's kind of stinky and sour. They traded, it now. They, they traded Reggie yeah. Evans, so the, the Nets needed to get a big. But yeah. but Rod Thorne. But he's was, been in the league he, before. Remember now. That, that's not one when thing he about was well, out. No, when, not, no, not when he was out. But here's the thing about it. See, that's the difference. For me, the fact of the matter is, listen, you didn't need to tell everybody that you were. There was no need for that. Well, just go ahead and play. It's, it's not our well, business. No, here's what I'm saying. He has every saying, right to be well, who he does, he is, but, 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 but then again, it's like... It's not for us to tell him when to tell it, us. But it's like this. It's like, okay, if, if there's a married player and now he, he's going to have a press conference to say he's divorced. That's not our business. You're playing football. That's all we need you to do is play football. Really? That's all we need you're, you to do. You're equating gay in a locker room it's to your, being it's, divorced it's, in a locker it's, room? No, what That's I'm saying, no, no. What the difference is, it's your personal business. It's nobody else's. I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you if you're not married, I can't pay you. I'm not going to tell you if you're not straight, I can't pay you. I'm not going to tell you that if you're not black, I'm not going to pay you. If you're not white. See, those things, I'm going to pay you because you're a good ball player. Those other things that have to do with your personal life, that's why they call them personal. It's none of our business. We can't discriminate against you we're not allowed to supposedly so just go about your business he's been again he only shared it with us but he's been that way and some people have known it yeah i mean if you if, if you if you read into doc rivers's comments i think doc kind of understood i usually wait to give me yeah but anyway i think doc kind of knew that and he kind of the way he kind of his comments were leading people to believe that you know come on man i I'm a man. I've been a man most of my life, all of my life. I was a boy for a while, but I grew up to be a man. Is that what Doc said? I, no, but I'm saying, I'm just saying this myself. If you know somebody who feels that perhaps maybe he's of the other persuasion, you, you, you kind of feel you, it. You get you a know? sense. That's yeah. exactly right. And, so, yeah, and Doc embraced him. He played for his team. He didn't get rid of him. He didn't realize, oh, man, this guy's, you know, he, he never, I've never heard anybody say that this guy was soft. You know what I mean? Because you can be identified as being soft. It has nothing to do with if you if you decide to to your, your sexual persuasion is that of of the same of your own sex. That has nothing to do. It's a matter of how I don't aggressive think it matters. It's a matter. Well, it, no, you got to be an aggressive ball player. I'm just saying I don't care. It doesn't if make you're, if, if if that person happens to be gay. If they can ball, I want them on my team. That's the bottom line. That's you what know? I'm saying. So I'm saying soft doesn't necessarily mean that you're gay. No. So so this man has never been identified as a soft ball player no. and even if he now that he's gay you know I still don't think he's going to be identified as a soft ball player because he's never been identified that way right. so I don't think anybody's going to look at him as being that way I've you, never heard that. You, want a, you want a big man that's aggressive big man some personalities are you know not the same you know you got a more aggressive personality than I do but I do yeah yeah says the former professional <laughs> safety are you kidding me I hey listen not. listen that's here's what I'm, I, I just want to take a break I You're needed crazy. something to take a break I, I don't see it here but I know we need to take this break you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network Doug E. Mack is here with me. We're going to come back and talk about a couple other things, man, because I want to know Mello. You know, Mello, you know, it's time for Mello to make a decision. He might need to leave New York City to go get a ring. Well, I don't think he's going to get we'll a ring. We'll talk about that yeah. when we come back. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America. He didn't Network. get invited to the combine. Ah, man, Phoenix, living like it matters. That's Dougie Mack that did not get his invitation. I got my invitation. Not I love not get invited it. to the Heat Combine. Okay. Shout out again up in heaven now to, to Coach Busby. Uh, thank you so much. God bless your soul. And now I, I, I got to get this in because I'm just a little bit concerned about my man Melo right now. And, and I just, I have to say this. I think, first of all, LeBron, Bosch, and D-Wade, we got to reevaluate what, everybody's, what everybody hated when it happened. And that was nothing short of brilliance of what they've done. And, and now you got to look at, you got a player like Carmelo Anthony, one of the greatest players in, on the planet. Is there another opportunity like that one that existed that could be blended together where Melo could find himself on a team? Is it the Thunder where he could help perhaps maybe to get them over that hump? Because if it's the, if it's the Thunder, woo, man. I don't, I don't know the caponomics well enough, but I think you can win without Carmelo. And I don't think he necessarily is entitled to anything other than what he, he he's put himself into the position to be, which is a number one option on a fair to middling, mostly crappy basketball team, getting his 40 points a night getting his shine, being all big and smiley for the camera and, and living that life. And, and, and I don't know if a ring ever really has been in his. This man is a winner. The man won in college. He's won on, on, on uh, teams that represent well, our the, country. Well, that, those teams, come on, I, wa- I would have won on that team. I, I could have been your starting point guard on that team, and we still <laughs> walk to the medal. Come on. But, but come on, no, here's the thing about it. He yeah. was great on that team. But, I'm but, not saying anything. That's exactly just, right. So you got to give, give him credit I because him one credit. thing in an environment like that, what you've got to do, you've got to reduce the size of your ego to participate and to do what's best for the team. And if you can't and you don't and you're not willing to, you got strong enough personalities. If you remember uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Isaiah Thomas, not on the team. Right. I'm not mad at Melo. I'll, I'll be happy if he wins a ring, I guess, but I just don't 
You think it's time for him to to take a look someplace else? I don't really care. Would if you be he does mad if that happened ring. again? Because I you, don't care. I, I'm going to say you were mad at LeBron when he did that. No, no, I wasn't actually. You I, was one of the, I thought it was poorly delivered. I thought the execution lacked a little merit and and couth. Like he wasn't. It was a bad situation to go on national TV and then stick a knife in Cleveland's heart. Oh, really? I thought that was crap. Do you well, really just, think that, dude? Just put it on Twitter. Come on. Wow. So what happens when guys show taking, up and they find that out? That wasn't a contrived what, 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 and lame. What, what, what I'm taking my talents to what, okay, South Beach. Okay, so what Whoa. about when guys What's just happen that? to drive up and they find out, guess what? Uh, you just got shipped off to someplace else. What am I? I did what? I, for real? Okay, wait a second. What in about the history, Harbaugh? What about the history Harbaugh, of the world? What about Harbaugh just finding out that he was almost a part of a trade as a coach to another team? The, the, the new Andy Reid. <laughs> is now all too it's all too evident now that that is all crumbling how amazing is that from top of the mark two championship games sandwiched around a super bowl and three year run as the head coach and he's already already wearing out his welcome i can't believe that that's that's on the press that's going to hurt them inside that locker room inside that organization getting re- it may, free now, agents. now here's what may happen everybody's looking at it going well remember harbaugh's, be there next remember year harbaugh's a, a player a former player yeah and what that may do is that may rally the troops around him because they play for well most of the time the the, the players play for the coach yeah. they don't play for the guys upstairs but because if the they coach is going to get blown out because he wants 10 million a year and they're not willing to pay him he wants super bowl champion money and he hasn't won a super bowl and he's being all petulant and talking trade and listening to offers i mean if i'm a free agent am i going to san francisco i don't i don't Probably not. i don't think that he was listening to the trade that was something that was concocted without even him knowing about that well, how did that story get on the wire do you think that the niners released that story i don't do you think the browns did Mm-mm. I, I think wait, his agent remember, let it out because he wants leverage for contract Remember, Lomb- Remember Mike Lombardi's out. The Browns just shipped him out of nowhere. How do you know Mike's people didn't let that story out? Why would he want to do that? They already, because they he, just wants, hi- he wants everybody to know that he was doing every damn thing he could to try to bring a winner to the Cleveland Browns. But they just brought on a new coach. That would be such sour grapes. That's not Lombardi style. He wants a job in the league. I mean, he came yeah, out but, of the but, NFL but, but, Network but people, What the people loud. were saying is that Mike, who they let it go down to the wire to get a coach, wasn't doing a good enough. And, and the, what the ones they came up with were the ones that nobody wanted. And Mike wanted everybody to know. You guys don't know. I, I don't was know. trying to get hardball. I don't, I, that seems like an after-the-fact kind of sour grapes, like weird thing to do. I think what, what makes more sense I mean, what is it? Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. What makes the most sense? Harbaugh's agent bleeding that out to the right people, the right contacts for the media through some secondary individuals. And now look at his leverage. All of a sudden, the fans are rallying. The players got his back. The organization's rattled. They got to get a new deal done. That's what Harbaugh's agent did, in my opinion. I don't know for firsthand, but okay. that makes sense. That's uh, all I got. Okay, since you want to do the right thing here. Okay, let's be the Houston Texans. Now, you're the man. You got you to gotta make, make a call. You, you got to make a who, who are you calling? Are you calling Johnny Football or are you calling Clowney? I'm going... I mean, you've already been in this position before, Houston, Texas, and uh, I believe Reggie has a ring right now, and somebody else does it. Yeah. So, what? where do you go? How do you go? Can you... Do you have an out? I'm a big believer in a left tackle. I'm a big believer in that kid from Alabama. If I'm building an organization, it always starts with the offensive line. So... You know what? You can get a quarterback in the second or third round. You can sign a free agent, but you always build around a big offensive line. So I would that's your default. That's your out. You don't have to take a chance on Johnny, be wrong on Bortles, miss on Bridgewater. You can go get a quarterback you think later. That ship sells offensive it, line. That ship tackle, is not selling in, in Texas. You're not not that story you just gave People us in right Texas now. know football. 
Yeah, they do know football. And, and people I, who know football know that you win in the trenches. So, so you can't really fault that that pick. If he's as good as they say, they say he's as good as has come out in the last five years. So Well, they say, yeah, they say the offensive linemen are better than the offensive linemen that were in the draft last year. And those are damn good offensive linemen right. last year. So, right. you, okay, but really? Oh, absolutely. Big, ugly. First couple rounds. Get big and ugly and just mean with it and then you can build around them that's my personal take on it maybe uh, you have a different opinion well, I, well I'm just going to say this I think what they'll always have to do they'll always have to answer the question of why you didn't take Johnny Football or why you didn't take Clowney if those two were sitting there and you didn't make those Clowney is a beast and you can't you know, how do you just, you, you can't justify not taking Clowney. I kind of agree. There's, 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 there may be risk with Johnny Football, but, but Clowney, Clowney. Co- off the end. Just put him on the end. He's Javon Curse. Just all over you again. You know, he's and, Javon And Javon Curse. had, you yeah. know, he, a couple injuries. He was injury prone, but well, he when he was, was a beast, a he was a freak. Oh. He, he, was, he was the freak. That's yeah. where the name first was being used because he was. I think I could, to, I could go Clowney. I don't disagree with that. But you're asking me, and if it's an offense that needs repair, and obviously that's where they, the side of the ball that, that they need to address first and foremost, uh, across the board, offensive line, quarterback, and running back, I mean, I'm and taking the a, tackle. And, okay, and let's look at this way. If you're going to beat the Super Bowl champions – You've got to be able to get to their quarterback. Yeah. Do Clowney, I agree. And, and, and Russell can run. He Russell can move can pretty good. But I, I think Clowney's pretty athletic. So if, if you're going to unseat the champion. Four or five? You, yeah. Oh, man. Four or five. Six, it kind of reminds me of Reggie, Reg, Reggie White back in the day. Reggie was, Reggie was a four six. He wasn't a four or five. Robert Quinn? You've seen this guy. He looks like Spider-Man. I think it should be against the law, really. We should find something. We, we should rule that out. Listen, our time is gone. It's been great. I, I enjoy yeah, whenever lot, D- Doug E. Matt you, comes man. in and joins me. So I want to thank right you all on. for listening. Again, I want to shout out to my coach up in heaven, Coach uh, Coach Busby. God bless you, man. Thank you so much for everything you did for me. Barry, you and your mom and family, I hope you guys uh, uh, to get over this because he's in a better place now. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.